Welcome to the Cincy Postcast. I'm your host, Kevin Wallace, and we have a heck of an episode for you today. A three-parter, a proper three-parter in part one. It is FC Cincinnati News, which, believe it or not, there was some. One player in particular, not very good at showing up on time. In part two, it is an MLS roundup of news, more of a, a chef's tasting menu of MLS news. And in part three, we go deep on a mystery topic that Grayson had for us, and I think you're going to enjoy it. You put all that together, and that's going to be your postcast. But joining me to talk about all of that and more, I am joined by the usual crew. It feels like it's been a while. Joined by Grayson, joined by Chief. Chief, how was the time away from the pod? Was it well enjoyed? It was well enjoyed up until Sunday night when I wasn't in the Eastern time zone, but at round about 7.30, 8 o'clock Eastern Standard, started to get a little twitch like it's podcasting time and there was no one there was no microphone around and there was no one to to hear my my spicy incredible provocative takes and that kind of bummed me out in the moment because all the people i was traveling with were like will you please for the love of god just shut up (laughs) we've been hearing you for three straight days we don't need to hear any more of this nonsense so i missed you guys i missed you um my uh my my wife uh so <laughs> so when we're like in groups of friends like i don't know like i sometimes so sometimes i'll be we'll be in conversation with groups of friends and i'll like you know i'll i'll observe a lull in conversation and i'll throw um like another topic or something out there because I feel sure. responsible for like, you know, keeping things moving, <laughs> keeping everybody the entertained. right here. And my wife and my wife will then immediately call it out. <laughs> and she'll be like, she'll be like, oh, here he is. Here's the next topic he wants to talk about. <laughs> oh, man, that is so true, though. Like in doing this now, God, well, we've been doing this for like two years now. Um I've definitely been in like awkward conversations, especially, you know, I've got young kids, they're in school, end up in plenty of uh, super awkward uh, social situations with adults. I don't know at like a birthday party or a school function. I just got to like, I got to find something to talk to these people about. And I tell you, it is like podcast host mode comes on and it's like, so how was everybody's weekends? What'd you get into there, Greg? Like, what are you doing, man? Like, I have no idea who these people are, but I just like refuse to let the dead air hang. <laughs> no, I just, I have this mental image of Kevin waiting to pick his kids up from school and like the line of cars standing right there. And all of a sudden, just to break the tension, he pulls out the book of questions and he's like, <laughs> so would you rather be stabbed to death by a toothpick through the eye or a spork through the anus. And I've got to keep this more handy. That is a great call. <laughs> There's a the daddy-daughter dance on Saturday. I'm going to need this. <laughs> the sad part is, is I have always been this way. Even when I didn't have a podcast, I was still a pompous and opinionated asshole. So, oh man, what I, you see is what you get, unfortunately. I like to... Th- 
Yeah. I find when I find with like small talk with like people you don't know well. So sometimes like on Twitter, I'll be like, I'm going to write the or write or write the dumbest thing or make the dumbest <laughs> meme I can yeah. think of. And um it'll get like five hundred likes. <laughs> and like I'm not in self way for territory. No. Right. I mean, sh- surely not. But but like for me. Because like my whole thing is like I try to be like as as um as a, a repellent <laughs> as possible on Twitter. Um and so sometimes I'll be like, I'm gonna do the dumbest thing I can think of and it'll just like be wildly popular. And I do I also do that like in conversation. <laughs> like I used to be like really bad at like small talk. And then I what I realized is like, no, like I'm just going to pretend I have nothing interesting to say. <laughs> yes. And then I became like pretty good at small talk. <laughs> it's like, how do you get good at small talk? You dumb yourself down to like the level of morning show host on a top 40 radio station. It's like, yeah. so how about those clowns in Washington, huh? <laughs> Crazy weather we've been having lately. Hot enough for you? Every, when are I'm, they ever going to get around to replace wives, man? Yeah. When are they ever going to get around to replacing that Kroger in the neighborhood? Boy, it would be nice if we got one of those super Kroger like they have over in insert fancy neighborhood here. Right. You need a good complaint about a mother-in-law if that's it's applicable like, to your life situation. You, that's always good. Do you think Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift really are dating? I think it's all a setup. <laughs> Just just oh, banal, man. stupid conversation. And you can keep that going for hours. But eventually it sort of devolves into self-parody. And like I become very aware that I'm talking about absolutely nothing. And then my brain kicks in and I'm like, they know I'm just on autopilot in this conversation. And it never I never reach that point where I'm like, no, this is just how we all do things. In the back of my head, I'm thinking. God, they know I'm a bore. I'm playing a role, yeah. <laughs> so I had a I had a job in government for a little bit. Congratulations. And one of my one of my tasks was writing kind of I'll say public facing okay. documents. And the person I worked for at the time, like my my immediate uh superior, I thought was well, we we had different sensibilities, mm. let's say. And so <laughs> I wrote fam. a thing and I was like and I wrote this line that I was like this is the dumbest bullshit I can think of, <laughs> but he's going to love it. And like not only did he love it, but when the document went public, a very prominent uh uh political commentator like qu- like tweeted that line in quotes with like four fire emojis <laughs> after <him. laughs> it's, like, it's like oh man <laughs> like I must have terrible instincts like I just like I just like I just like maybe I'm George Costanza where like if I just need to go against every instinct I have and that's the that's the path to oh, success. Like on one hand, it's like that. This is this is incredible. I did exactly what I'm supposed to do. 
and I dropped this line and it worked perfectly. On the other hand, I disagree vehemently with the thought process that reached me here. And right. I am now beginning to question everything about right. reality and sanity, that this is the thing that worked best in this situation. <laughs> oh, God. I have a, a very similar situation at work that is very Costanza-esque. And I have to be very careful here because th things could be revealed by mistake here. But um, essentially, a special project was dropped on my desk, maybe two years ago and it is still ongoing and everybody working on this project knows it's a disaster everybody knows it's bad it's terrible it doesn't work it doesn't do what it's supposed to do but at every single turn we have to pretend it's doing great. And so now I'm in meetings where we're going to take this project to other sites, other countries. We're going to expand it out. And the whole time, yeah, it's great. It saved us so much money. This is lovely. And every single person who was touched said, this is a disaster. This did not work at all how we thought. And it's just it's just this giant snowball that just keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And I don't know how it's ever going to end. So like this is one of those rare moments where I feel like us as a podcast, as the only soccer podcast that, you know, routinely doesn't talk about soccer, I do yes. feel like there could possibly be some life advice for listeners here. And if I do have one piece of advice that I have gleaned over my time working as a professional, and it sounds like you're experiencing much the same thing there, Kevin, and that's that the biggest mistake you can make working somewhere is presuming competence in the people <laughs> around you. Yes. Like 90 to 95% of the people that you are working with at any given time have absolutely no idea what they're talking about. And they are just faking their way through it. And any kind of confidence you see is just people who don't know what they're doing, projecting confidence and adding an air of authority and gravitas to what otherwise amounts to bullshit. Like the person <laughs> in the meeting that speaks up and is talking in glowing terms about something they're working on, it's a blank word document on their desk. They haven't started it yet, but yes. they'll manage to stand up and make themselves sound really, really confident for five minutes, get the little applause from the table, and then they head back to their, their cubicle or their office or wherever they're working from remotely, and they have a deep sigh and they're like, Fuck, I got to figure something out about this. <laughs> yeah, so when I first started working um at you know, my let's say like my the job that turned into I guess my career. I like how, um, I like how I like I how we're still pretending like the, the listeners don't know what Grayson and I do for a living. <laughs> it's good. <laughs> it's cute. It's cute. We should um, keep this up longer. I had a I had a coworker who uh, was like a very different for me in many ways, but we had like just a very we had we had a very similar sensibilities regarding like our work, and like a very similar experience at work, and like bonded kind of in the trenches, and ended up being you know one of my groomsmen at my at my wedding. But um, we just started having a saying where like we would put something together and get like feedback and like go to the other's office and be like you know like this is they're this is wrong <laughs> like, what they, like what they want to do is like bad and stupid and we would just be like and it would just the other person would have to talk them down and we would just say give the people what they want yep <laughs> and that just became our like catch our like little phrase around the office <laughs> between the two of us give the people what they want and I think that that's an important, like, it is an important lesson because I also think like 
you know, like you may come to an idea that the way you're doing something is the best way to do something. And you may have good reasons for that. You may come to that idea honestly. But like, you know, there's lots of people out there and they all came to how they see things. You know, give them the grace to think that they came to how see how how they see things honestly. And, you know, we work in a society. We we do. And it's not the end of the world if stuff doesn't doesn't go through exactly how you envision it. At the end of the day, part of part of going along is uh, is getting along. And so, also yeah. never never the ever they underestimate the the how far in life you can get ahead by making the idiot who assigned you something to do feel like the smartest person in the room by telling them how incredible their instruction was, even as you went three different ways to do it, because what they were telling you to do was nonsense. <laughs> now, on the, on the other hand, on the other hand, um, if you do things exactly how you want to do them and take no feedback and don't, you know, try to tailor it to anybody's uh, uh, wants or desires, you too can have a podcast with 12 listeners and uh, one, then two, then one <laughs> sponsors. And isn't that the dream? <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, just choose, yeah. choose your path. Uh, Look, when we, had, Western man. when we had two sponsors, doubling our sponsorship would require us to get four. Now that we're back to one, doubling our sponsorship only requires us to get one sponsorship. Yep. We we are well positioned to twice in one year double the number of sponsors we've had. That's right. <laughs> we can increase our sponsorship it's exponentially. Like in, every it's like every in month. Uh, it's like in, you know, with startups and startup culture. It's like you always yes. have to be posting growth. And it doesn't matter how much it costs to yes. acquire growth. It's like Netflix can burn through ten billion dollars in venture capital as long as they acquire five million new members. If they're profitable but their membership members are shrinking. That's a disaster. People would rather people would rather see them burning money to grow than making money while shrinking. I do love the streaming platforms in particular, like incessant need for more subscribers. Like, at what point are just all of the people that are gonna subscribe to shit already subscribed? Like, it feels like a market that taps out pretty quickly. Like, no, you're not thinking fourth dimensionally. Here's the way it works. This is, here's my my billion dollar idea for Netflix. Are you ready for this? Because uh, I just learned today. I just learned today that Netflix actually has a gaming service that apparently do. nobody knows about, and you can download games onto your iPhone. I think Hades is coming out, which is a phenomenal game. If you haven't played Hades. Uh, run, don't walk, play that one at some point in the near future. But here's what Netflix needs to do in order to keep its pro-growth mentality. They need to buy Pornhub and they need to include hardcore pornography on Netflix to get people in the mood. And then maybe some of those people, you know, Netflix and chill already a meme, but now we're really Netflix and really chilling so that you can make more subscribers to Netflix. The only growth platform for Netflix is encouraging a higher birth rate so that they can have more subscribers <laughs> potentially in the future. So anything they can do to encourage more people to get out there and get their swerve on, it's, that's the only way they can truly grow. It's Does porn encourage a higher birth rate? Mm. Or I feel like porn probably has a negative effect on birth rates but i don't want to go down that tangent 
because I had another thought while you were talking about that. Because I'm thinking maybe that was their plan when before the right before the actor strike, they were insisting that they get like the right to like map actors' faces and use their AI likeness right. uh, in any way Celebrity they want. Celebrity porn with Netflix. Right? It's like yeah, yeah, or just yeah. like I mean, obviously that that use case but then just like recast movies it's the godfather but it's you know an entirely new cast so it's shot by shot the same thing or hell but now like, <laughs> no you you get it good enough and you can just you can pick the actors you want playing everybody if you want like you know if you want like don corleone oh. to be played by richard nixon you just hit the button and all of a sudden it's richard nixon that's the crime oh, boss of the film. i love that like a choose your own cast I feel like this should have happened on the holodeck more in Star in Star Trek. That like you were remaking great movies with absurd people as the leads, or not even. We should do. We should do Last Action Hero. I yeah. love. I love that this movie. Off-season. That was on at the that movie was on at the bar when uh, we talked about this in the part that yes. got cut from the uh, Away Days video. That yes. movie was on at the bar when Kevin and I were up in Columbus before you got up there. It was. It was great. We should do. We should do Last Action Hero Man. this off season. Because that is that is an underappreciated movie. I, I would, would say. go so far as to say it's Stallone. It's uh, Schwarzenegger's best. Sorry, there's a Stallone joke in the movie that's phenomenal too. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's 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 not it's not Schwarzenegger's best, but it's a great we should, movie. We should do that. We, what we should do is we should announce the movie we're doing and then do it ahead of time so that people can have an opportunity to watch and then yes. join in the discussion on the Discord. That would require us to have like foresight, yeah. A day, a day of a day advance planning <laughs> and like object permanence. I, mean, I feel like we gave people a lot of lead time on the Mario Brothers movie. It just wasn't available on any platforms. We had to bootleg it from the May. <laughs> the one <laughs> obscure true. one, right? <laughs> I mean, if we really got around to it, we could like make a list of movies and just say like we're gonna be doing it's these like movies a, through the office. It's like an anti-intellectual book club. <laughs> it's like yeah, which I'm still I'm still open to doing a uh, a book club, a discord book club, like a post discord book club. We should do that. Add it to our list of things, <laughs> things yeah. we should do that and more video content. <laughs> yeah. So we're going to have a whole list of things to do, like another installment on the ref yes. CBA. Um, anything more about Dr. Oh, Cop? My God, yes. Dr. Cop, attorney at law. Um, I have like a notebook where I've got like the 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 pilot episode kind of outlined. <laughs> oh my god! Um, With AI voices, we could do a table read with FCC players. <laughs> <laughs> I did that in my I did right. that in my Mandalorian uh, <laughs> episode. A Doctor Cop table read where all of the actors are FCC players would be so good. <laughs> I guess we have to use like uh, st- like stack exactly who I was Cop. thinking of would be Doctor Cop. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't know who else it would be. I, though Meg. Meg's got enough content out there we can get her voice. Mm. I don't know if she's the right age demographic yeah. you want for Dr. Cop. Well, she's right. not Dr. Cop. But who is? Um, yeah. Hmm. I mean, Steck would be the perfect Dr. Cop. <laughs> Percent chance Steck knows anything about Dr. Cop. Negative 5%. This is good. <laughs> oh, speaking of 
And people listening to this probably don't know what <laughs> right. Dr. Cop is. You had to have made it through one entire poor audio episode after the Columbus Crew beatdown, where, let me spoil this for you. We don't usually get all 12 of the listeners after a really bad loss. There's a lot of people that just don't want to think about FC Cincinnati after that happens. So and that is very not a, fair. <laughs> not our most highly downloaded episode. We <laughs> might have only reached five or six people on that one. <laughs> on the plus side for uh, film review. So anyway, Dr. Cop. Okay. Dr. Cop, attorney at law. Just people. Because I've had people because people have said like, you know, people like we don't like I've haven't always listened so i don't get the inside jokes and i appreciate the, yes. the grace to say that we yes, tell jokes right. here because that implies that any moment of this is fun <laughs> so you'd, be Cop- you'd be sorely mistaken <laughs> in that entire assessment yeah um but but dr cop uh is is a, a show that um we get we we got onto this because there was an imagine dragons <laughs> cover band that played before hell is real in Columbus. <laughs> and we were trying to figure out what the purpose of that entire genre of music was. And then we said it was like specifically four commercials for procedurals. Yes. And then we came up with a procedural that's Dr. Cop. All three of them, Law. baby. And she's a doctor <laughs> who became a cop because her husband was killed. Um, and then we found out that the uh, DA was probably in on it. So while she's a cop, She's also going to law school at night because she has to get her law degree in time to run against the DA. So yeah. that she can prosecute her husband's murder. That's, that's, yeah, basically, that's basically it, it. right? Yeah, so she could actually prosecute the people responsible for her husband's murder. And we did come, we also came up with a spinoff that took place like in the oh, 50s yes. <laughs> of two, com- two political satirical comedians who accidentally stumbled across... Um, a vast conspiracy involving the the D, the the DA and Doctor Cops <laughs> yeah. family, yep, <laughs> vast crime family. That's they because they've been you know running this big organized political corruption network for like a century in their city. Oh my god! Here's um, the pitch to Netflix. So yeah, here's, that's, here's the pitch to Netflix. So Doctor Cop Attorney at Law. We'd have to we'd have a soft launch of that in an episode, Doctor Cop, where she comes across yes. old footage because their show has been like basically yes. buried. Yeah, they were silenced. Uh, but I, I think they're basically like us, like they're like the Smothers Brothers meets Mort yes. Saul. So this is how we can do the AI thing. So you film Doctor Cop Attorney at Law, like you you film all of the episodes, whatever. But you have people wearing like, I don't know, sort of like special face gear. And then there's like, I don't know, like an array of like 50 actors that you can then cast into all of the roles as you go to watch Dr. Cop Attorney at Law. I, that would be fun. So but we, I did. we cast we this. Did. So Rashida Jones Absolutely. was Dr. Right. Cop, yes. right? Yes. And Sam Rockwell yes. was the DA. Yeah, we had a whole cast. But I'm just saying, if you could yeah, yeah, yeah. put your your sort of like dream cast onto a movie or onto a procedural, that would be the way to do it. I like that. I think this. I still think this is a multi million dollar idea for CBS. Doctor Cop Attorney at Law. There's an entire there's an entire cinematic universe here. You've got superhero fatigue. Yes. People have superhero fatigue. You know what they don't have? Doctor Cop fatigue. It hasn't set in yet, folks. We got every, we have every kind of show here. We have cop show. We have doctor show. We have lawyer show. We got 
you know, uh, true uh, crime, police procedural. <laughs> Miss Maisel type yeah. shit going on. And it's on. great because you could do like little mini story arcs where it's like mostly doctor, mostly lawyer, mostly cop. So like it stays fresh even within the season. It'd be great. Do you think she has to have like three different friend groups like her cop friends, her doctor friends and her lawyer friends? Because these are groups that famously usually don't so get along with So she doesn't have lawyer friends yet because she's studying. Oh, but her. Yeah. Well, she's, she's studying for the for, for But that the makes it fun. Because all of her lawyer friends, friends are like way younger than her, right? Because they're like law students. No, not necessarily. Because like if she's going to night school, most mm. of the night programs are designed for like people that are picking up the law as a second career. So it actually makes a uh, a fun opportunity for all of her law school friends to be people that are other working professionals in other areas of life. So she can have <laughs> friends that are like, you know, this guy is a. Uh, they can help yeah, herself. Right. And they're, they're, there's like somebody works. Somebody works in retail, yeah. right? And they know about yeah, types of bags, right? So we got an ab, we got an Abby cameo. They're like her Baker Street Irregulars. It's the people that she goes yeah. to night school with that have all these weird skill sets that she can but rely on. Like her, they're all like weirdly multidisciplinary in ways that don't make sense. Like one works at a museum and also was a fashion designer, and another one's a veterinarian who also performed in a circus. And you know, it'd be great. You got to have one person who's like a union man, who's like a hard, hard nose working working class individual that just happens to be a brilliant legal theorist, despite the fact that like he's been working on the line for like the last 25 years. Yes. Oh, so speaking of speaking of union guy stuff and sorry to sorry. To get off topic. Um, oh, there's the first joke of the episode. Did, right you, see, did you see the video of Absolutely. the Teamsters guy? Yelling, yelling so at the good. senator and then like challenging each other to a fight on the Standing floor of the up. Senate. Oh, my God. So I'll tell you what I thought Please. about watching that. I thought I thought like. That's a fucking mm -hmm. union leader, you know. And and I thought about that compared to. <laughs> The Pro Soccer Referees Association it. statement <laughs> where it's like. It's like, we are referees. We are small beans. <laughs> we cannot feel unsafe in our persons. It's unfair for a, a, a tall, tall individual Yo. to, to, to right, speak so to be, us. There used to be rules like, for this sort of thing. It used to be that like somebody who messed with the union people, all of a sudden there'd be a knock at Mr. Miazga's door. And there'd be two very large gentlemen that would walk up and say, we really don't appreciate the way you were treating our associates. We're here to inform you that this behavior will not repeat itself, correct? And then there would be a, it wouldn't be a broken leg or anything like that because he needs that to make a living, but there would have been like a broken wrist, something that wasn't necessary yeah. for the playing of soccer would have been hurt severely in that situation. Finger That's how they would have handled things door. back in the good yeah. old days. Oh, yeah. yeah. But, um, uh, but like, yeah, the like pro soccer referees union, like what, like, Somebody talked to you right in public and they said, come they, on, they sent a mean tweet out into the universe. Oh, my God. Just Very absolute. Sad. I I can't even like describe it without saying a problematic so, word. <laughs> so so this all makes it even funnier. Weak that shit. Matt Miasco, that <laughs> Matt Miasco won defensive player of the year. Absolutely. Right the, the, the funny, the fu the only thing to make this whole situation even funnier 
would be a Victor Rivas one referee of the year. Because <laughs> he is a finalist. <laughs> they should make both of them pick their trophy up at the same time. Like oh they, should my have God. <laughs> they should have to take a picture together. Yeah. That should be like the punishment. Matt Miazga's punishment for whatever he did and Rivas's punishment for being just soft as shit. Yeah, for being a bad referee on the night. It could be like a boxing weigh-in where they both have to like show up with like their, their fists up at each other. It'd be good. Oh, my God. The yeah, fight it's... no one knew they needed, but that everyone wanted. <laughs> so, yeah, Matt Miazga wins Defensive Player of the Year. Uh, cue the entire internet freaking out that FC Cincinnati's defensive captain wins an award. That was just lovely. I So my favorite part of that freak out was the only argument that people had against him was like they'd be like dave romney played every minute of the season yeah that's the worst argument dude that's a, that's a participation trophy <laughs> this is it's also not, it's also the worst argument the worst argument yeah but he's an asshole it's like right. i don't care man <laughs> that's it's, in the plus column right. like you it's, don't want your defender I, to be nice no what i love about this this defensive player of the year is that part of the vote is the players themselves voting on this. And I said this to Pat Brennan. I said, they should invert that. The yes. highest vote getter for defensive player of the year should be worth negative points because you don't want the guy everybody else likes. The defender of the year should be the asshole that gets no votes because nobody can stand the guy because he's really, really good at what he does. Right. I, Who is I the hate player from Portland? Who described was it was it like oh. Zach Zach McMath? No. No, it was like uh like a, a minor player, guy. man. Yeah, yeah, like Canadian national team, like three caps or something like that. By the way, he's well, a he's a um he's a dual he's a, national that the United States didn't even take a sniff at either, so he can fuck directly off. So so I, I gotta say this. I'll I'll say this about him. Um he uh Zach Mc, McGraw? That's a country artist. Um, so so he so there's a player from portland i'm looking up his name um i know a lot of like biographical details about him i don't yeah zach mcgraw (laughs) okay um he's american he's got a canadian mother i believe um he recently before the gold cup this year accepted a call up to Canada because he was never going to sniff the U.S. national team, even though he went to like. Uh, West Point. Oh, yeah. Damn. He went to West Point. Oh, that should be disqualifying. <laughs> and he accepted a call up to Canada. What? That mm. I feel like that's breaking some sort of. He's like the last person. West Point. He's like yeah. the last person who went to West Point to like directly take on the United States since like Robert E. Lee. (laughs) (laughs) I was going to say Michael Flynn, but go ahead. (laughs) Oh yeah, that's true. Uh, He called, uh, but he, he put a tweet uh, when it was, I forget what it was, but it was just some like article that MLS published about me. It wasn't even like the defensive player of the year stuff. That's what um, it was. He yeah. like because it was before Miazga was announced as defensive player of the year. He quote tweeted it and he said like arrogant and overrated <laughs> or something like that. Yeah, yeah. And it's like cool, man. Neat. I'm glad you did that. Like I'm glad he. I'm glad he did it. To be honest, like do like people 
more players yes should do stuff like that yes it doesn't make it like it's it's for one it's super funny two i love the attitude i love the attitude 100 do not fault the attitude and three it gives us something to talk gives us like you know it makes it makes the whole deal interesting now i want portland and cincinnati to play yeah yeah It's it's the whole well, thing. Miazga with do like the height thing to him. I don't know. Yeah, he's, no, it's, he's like the same same height as Miazga. They they have the thing with regard to the NBA Twitter. It just says hashtag this league is what everybody talks about. Hashtag this league. You need more of this. You need more players that are characters. You need more players that say silly shit. You need more players that are provocative, that are interesting. The the like MLS needs T.O is what yeah, they need. Yeah. They need a guy doing sit-ups in his front yard. They need James Harden. They need someone who is just a bum and a, a locker room cancer that goes from team to team. And wherever he goes, he produces numbers, but makes his team worse. And then is public about just hating everyone. They need more people like that. They need the Stefan Diggs stuff where his brother is now openly asking for him to be removed, uh, traded out of Buffalo. <laughs> we, um, need, um, we need, we need, a, we need a Washington Wizards. We need a team that's like losing by 30 and doing like off the backboards past slam dunks. <laughs> past breaks. Like just there is a dearth of like personality yeah. in the league because there is. There there is like a there's a homogeneity yeah. across like how teams are constructed and also like just basically like. All the people that or a lot of people that are running teams just like all came from the same places. They're all buddies. They have the same ideas right. for things. People cycle through team to team. They're all friends. Um, yeah. I mean, the NBA has been accused of that, too, that all the kids with AAU basketball, that the players are too congenial and the players are too, you know, there's no real hate. Like you go back and watch all the old documentaries about the Pistons and the Bulls yeah. hated one another. Yeah. The Celtics and the Lakers hated one another. Mm-hmm. But now all the players, they all know each other from these camps and from these, you know, elite academies and whatnot. I think the problem with MLS is that there is still, in terms of this specifically, there's a lot of problems with MLS. But with this specifically is the league just needs to get over happy to be here and happy to have your attention. Yeah. And it needs to get over this idea that there is this implicit sort of unspoken current in MLS that we must the media that covers it, the American born players, that if we do something to this delicate little flower we've constructed, soccer in this country will go away. And soccer's here to stay, man. Like soccer yeah. ain't going anywhere. Um, and it's okay. It's okay to criticize the league if you're reporting on soccer in America. If you are a player, it is okay to rock the boat. It is okay to criticize the league. It's okay to criticize your teammates. It, not if you're playing for FC Cincinnati. Please don't do that yeah, if you're playing for No, it's it's okay to, to you know talk shit about other players. I want to see more players throw former coaches under the bus. I want more controversy. Like this is what they don't understand is that this sells. This drives the narrative about the sport Monday through Saturday Friday when a game happens on Saturday. Like it needs more of this. Flat yeah, out. And um I think people so I I think that Folks listening may be tempted to find like a contradiction here between like our complaints in the past that like MLS media revels too much in not treating the league seriously as a league. Right. You know, but it's like 
the hashtag MLS stuff is like, oh, there was like 15 headers in a row or something. They'll be like, like, oh, this was like, like some dumb spectacle thing right. that affects the play or like some weird thing happened or there was like terrible refereeing or something like some rules mechanism is confusing yeah, yeah, yeah like that is that is like not treating the league as like a serious league players hating each other enough that they're like tweeting calling each other like overrated yeah uh uh stuff like people like going after each other on the field um like all the stuff chief was talking about those are things that happen in real leagues. Yeah. yeah. You know, because because those things happen because the players and the people around it are taking it seriously as like both a competition and as a business. Right. It's it's why you would tune into like uh, Mourinho versus uh, Arsene Wenger. Like it was like yeah, yeah, these yeah. two managers don't like each other. They've gotten in shoving matches before. Uh, you know they have different, radically different philosophies on how to build a team. Both very successful. Uh, you know that's interesting. It drives the narrative. And all week leading up to it, you've got them taking shots at each other in the media, and then afterwards the post game conference. Uh, you know. It's all about, you know, talking smack about the other one's game plan and how they won and the other one has to eat shit. And yeah, like, that's fun. That's or exciting. You like, or you like turn on, turn on a Premier League game in the morning and you're like, OK, is this the game that Diego scores? Diego Costa scores two goals that have like in a spectacular way that have never been scored in the history of soccer. Or is this the game that he brought his shiv to the game? Right. right. <laughs> or that he's kicked out for spitting on three people and biting an official. Like you just don't know what you're going to get in that moment. Yeah, I want more of that. I want I want John Tolkien from the New York Red Bulls to start referring to himself in the third person. And I, I just yeah. I want more coach. I want a coach. I want a coach of a team in MLS that is losing a lot of games to take his team out to the field, dig a hole and bury a soccer ball and do some symbolic college football coach nonsense. Love like that. it just I just like Oh I need more of this. Just make this make this league more interesting for the love of Christ. Yeah. No. So wait. thank you. Thank you, Matt Miazga. I, I, this is all a long way to say thank you, Matt Miazga, for doing this. And also, I want a, a special thank you to your good friend, our good friend, official player of the year for the postcast, Aaron Bupenza, for yet again <laughs> providing us with more interesting commentary Thank more you, interesting fan takes <laughs> by being the least punctual player in the history of the fc yeah like, so, it's almost a running joke at this point right it's so, so good i i assume everybody listening to this is enough of a sicko to already know this but again <laughs> like, all 12 of you again like we've been accused of of just jumping into stuff and referencing stuff that people don't necessarily understand um <laughs> which we don't apologize for but we're gonna no no we don't apologize for for sure and it's gonna it's gonna keep happening it's on you um, really but yeah we go we got all the ep- it's all all, all the, the episodes, episodes are available online. go right? listen yeah just go to hawking hills spend a weekend week in a cabin listen to them all um, what a miserable weekend. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> Especially those first episodes were really rough. So <laughs> they were um, not good. I don't know. I remember coming out of them thinking, like, man, that was really good. Yeah, I like that. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Don't go back and listen. Um, don't go meet your heroes. <laughs>
Um, so, so Bupenza yeah. has been, <laughs> Bupenza and, and another guy and Dong have mm-hmm. been, um, uh, kicked off of the Gabon, uh, national team roster for this current international window for the two world cup qualifiers because uh they didn't show up to uh training in bongoville because apparently they just stuck around libreville which is the capital of uh gabon and um the team put out a statement that was like you know we're not sure why they're not here they both have domestic flights tickets in hand oh man Uh, it was so um i don't know i don't know what happened we don't know what happened we probably will never know um what happened but for some reason um bupenza and his friend uh did not make it to training on time and will not be participating in gabon's uh world cup qualifiers this window so i expect to see him at fc cincinnati training uh, any day now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because this will surely be the one he shows up on time to. I just I um I just hope it was like the scene at the first the first scene in Major League where uh Jake Taylor is passed out in a bed and he has a sombrero over his head and the alarm <laughs> is going off and the phone is ringing. That that's just that's Bapenza and his buddy in some hotel after having an absolute bender the night before. <laughs> And they both look over and realize they've overslept their flight. And it's like, well, guess we'll just go home. Yeah, we missed it. No big deal. Um, yeah. Are we, wor- are we worried about this? Like, I, on one hand, it's like the easy joke is, does my man not own a watch? Or does his phone not have an alarm feature on it? Or one of those? Because, you know, how you can set an appointment and it tells you, tell me when to leave. Right, right. <laughs> like, I feel like he should have had um, training with my national team and set one alert for like the day before and another one for it's, you know, traffic is light. It will take you 15 minutes to get to the airport right now. <laughs> um, I, I, It's funny, but twice in two months am i overreacting when i say that there is an alarming lack of maturity to be late coming back from international duty the last time apparently have some sort of a mea culpa moment with your manager and then less than a month and a half later pull the exact same thing with your international with your national team I mean, it's not good, right? We also don't know like, a lot of facts. We also don't right, know there there right. could have been there's any number of reasons why this could have been the case that are yeah. perfectly explainable, perfectly logical, and that don't reflect poorly on on yes. Aaron's character in any way. But the obvious sort of Occam's razor of dude's got a problem showing up on time for shit. Right. So yeah. I don't think it's an accident that the guy that he um was late with um was somebody who plays in Saudi because Saudi and Cincinnati those are two places that as we know mm-hmm. from Joe Burrow nothing to do there for a professional athlete right so when he gets to the uh nightlife hotspot of Libreville you know temptation calls party on and I actually found an article here um uh, how to date girls in Libreville. Oh. Uh, <laughs> Was this a Broadway show I didn't see? Yeah, no, but uh, there's a picture of a group of men and women enjoying at the Butterfly Disco Club in Libreville. 
the Boomerang Club seems like probably where he went. Because um, that looks like a pretty popular club in Liberville. Guys, are you, are you thinking what I'm thinking? Next episode of Away Days. Liberville. <laughs> Let's go. So, so this, the Airbnb's this, like there. This article, this article says uh, girls in Liberville. Uh, looks of girls, three out of five. Attitude of girls, three out of five. <laughs> Loyalty of girls, three out of five. Education level of girls, three out of five. You're basically just describing Toledo, Ohio. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but it says, owing to the influence of foreign cultures, the dating culture in the city has been modernized. Oh. It involves going to the movies, clubbing, exchange of gifts, calls, texts, and visits. The man makes the move, as it is called. Okay. Um, so, I don't know. Um, anyway. Uh, wow. Do we care? Do we care about this? Um, I don't care about it until it affects his time. I, I, I don't care about it until we find out when he made it back to Cincinnati. Yeah. Like... He's now like the one thing I'm worried about is is his headspace, right? Like, is he distraught over this or whatever, and is now going to spend a week being sad and drinking because he's not at, you know, the national team thing? I don't even know if he drinks. Like the accusation and the easiest guess is partying, but who knows? Gabon's also like a weird place right now. They just had a pretty dramatic military coup the national team has had all sorts of drama over the years including um some insane sexual abuse allegations players being arrested randomly guys uh quitting the team regularly uh coaches never being punished for you know malpractice and things like that so it's kind of a, a chaotic his environment in anyway. his buddy his buddy that he was kicked off the team with actually like was kicked off the team last year there's i'm not going to go into it but there's a whole athletic article actually from last year uh yeah. 2022 about like turmoil within the gabon national team um pierre emmerich abamiang uh, had um very similar issues where he was like out clubbing and showing coming back home to the hotel at like 5 a.m. and they kicked him out of national team camp. Um, I don't know. I don't can't pretend to know um, what all is going on with the um, Gabon national team generally. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't, I don't think, Bupen, I don't think the Bupenza's issue, if he has an issue coming back, I don't think it's going to be because he's like sad. He got left out. Um, yeah. I feel like there's a established enough pattern that he's making, let's say, rational choices about what he about what he values. <laughs> Do it. we have to start Bupenza watch, though, now? Does Bupenza watch yeah. back on until he shows up at training? Uh, let's yeah. start that Sunday. <laughs> Yeah, uh, I think um, this was brought up on Twitter. I don't know. And Grayson, you would probably be the most likely to know in all of this. Apparently, the players CBA or the standard player agreement includes some language about players getting time off around Thanksgiving. Like matches aren't allowed to be played around Thanksgiving, uh, something like that. So there may be something 
to that even that like it, we uh, might have to wait a little bit before. Was it the standard player agreement or was it the CBA? I'm guessing it's the CBA and I'm guessing it has to do with scheduling matches probably Wednesday, Thursday and Friday. I might be overstating it, but there's somebody had brought that up as a reason why the playoff schedule is even more spread out this time of year than normal because MLS's windows to play matches is so who who brought that up? Your favorite, my favorite, probably attorney, MLS advisor, whose name I can't pronounce. <laughs> oh, Andrew Wisniewski. That's the one. There you go. Uh, <laughs> well, he see. looks vehement. Well, he looks quickly through the CDA. Yes. Oh, Thanksgiving yeah, break. Okay, so section was- seventeen point three. Thanksgiving break. Okay. Um, so glad I wasn't lying. <laughs> so it says players required to play any postseason game over United States Thanksgiving weekend will be entitled to receive days off during the two week break in the postseason as follows as determined in the team's discretion. Option one, three consecutive days off or option two. Weekend off from noon on Friday through Sunday. Teams may train up until noon on Friday, plus an additional day off. So I guess like Friday to Sunday, plus like you get like a random Tuesday or Wednesday off. Um, Huh. So. Yeah, that's that's there is a Thanksgiving break. Interesting. But it doesn't say when the three consecutive days off are. Yeah, is that leading up right? to or after? Yeah. It really says during the during the two week break. So we're in that two week break. Right. Right? Yeah. Uh, yeah, we're in it. So best believe in a two week break. <laughs> You're in it. So then the three days is then Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, presumably. Yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah. Great. Um, <laughs> Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, please, boys, get yeah. a, get a little film room in on Friday. <laughs> so, um, well, maybe they're done training today, and they're getting some days off. Yeah, right. Until next week, right? And have training up and up through up until leading up to the game. Like you don't want to take those days off. Like you don't want three days off and then play the game. <sighs> I mean, it almost sounds like what is required, but yeah, no, I agree with you. Um, so yeah, it's so, not what's required. It just says during the two weeks. So just randomly during the two weeks. Okay. So I assume it's like right now. Okay. So with that in mind, yeah, then maybe Bupenza Watch starts Monday. Yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, I mean, he probably the way he probably sees it is I was going to be gone through this date regardless. Right. But. <laughs> and he's clearly happy where he is. Presumably he's part of Yeah, I think right? he's having a great time. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, but, but yeah, I mean, I, I, if I was involved with running the team, I would be like, well, you can like go to Rosedale. <laughs> yeah what does that website have to say about cincinnati's nightlife <laughs> oh man um so yeah so 
Pro- I mean, look, we just got to get through the postseason, right? Like we can we can make bigger, larger picture assessments once MLS Cup has been won by His somebody. His goal against Red Bull was good as hell. Yeah. So like, I don't know what to tell you. He's got was, uh, the last game he came off of no training in a similar sort of Philly, like, yeah, yeah, weird Had a goal and a non assist. That That's was, what it was. That was an assist. Yeah. He and incorrectly. Played a, he played a ball in that led that led directly to Brandon Vasquez scoring a goal. I mean, he brought us back against Philly by himself. Yeah. On. Yeah. Like we On said, no like, training, no rest, just flying yeah. into Philly at 1.30 p.m. From from Paris or Portugal or whatever. And I will right? tell you, if he keeps if he keeps scoring goals throughout the playoffs, I will care less and less how often he shows up at training. What does he drink, man? <laughs> Let's go get some cases. <laughs> it's working. I mean, he wouldn't be the he wouldn't be the first DP for FC Cincinnati <laughs> to miss some time related to partying. Uh, true, but. Yeah, we just need him to score goals, man. Like, that's what he's here for. I mean, yeah. The biggest thing now is just that he gets back on time. We don't miss anything. Yeah, so his role right now, and to be kind of blunt about it, there, there's no expect, there's no, like, really hope that he, like, gets, like, that he would ever be, like, fully, like, integrated into the offense yeah this year yeah like to his maximum potential right i mean like he should be getting better and better at playing with the other guys all that whatever but um right now like he's just there to like kind of work some magic and get some goals it's gravy yeah right because we spent most of the year without a dp forward we got one he scored some important goals for us yep i hope he continues to um and you know if he if he parties a little bit if he misses some misses some training as long as he keeps scoring and we keep winning uh i'm perfectly fine with that yeah um what i would want to see is um uh, focus during preseason going into next year yes then he becomes a far more important player yep. to this team. Again, presumably Vasquez is sold this yep. winter. At least, you know, Vasquez's fate is a little more determined then. And then, yeah, suddenly this is Bupenza and Acosta's team, and we need we need him to show up for next year. So. Yeah, and I, w- I want to see like that, Matt, because I think he, he's definitely, we know he's got it in him. Oh, yeah. Like, I want to see that, like, next year is when yeah. we should have the expectation that we see, like, Bupenza and Acosta and whoever else is on the team <laughs> yeah. having, like, that magical interplay between them. Like, yeah. the type of stuff that we saw between, uh, you know, hopefully better, but the, the kinds of, but in the class of the kinds of things that we used to see between uh, Acosta and Brenner, like, at the end of last year. Yeah. Yeah, but they're just all on the same wavelength. So that's the dream. Yeah. Uh, so there we go. Um, is there any other FCC news, or should we move on over to MLS news? 
A little, little MLS roundup. There's going to be a light show at the next game, apparently on your cell phone. So it's one more opportunity to play the lights of Cincinnati. If you're listening, the fans demand the lights. I think they fired everybody who would be listening. So, That's probably um, true. <laughs> but yeah, Oak. light show. Maybe <laughs> whoever's maybe whoever's running the social media for both FC Cincinnati and Houston Dynamo is listening. <laughs> and if you're listening, um, if you're listening. There is this great Italian restaurant in the village that you need to try. <laughs> oh God! All right, let's I head did on go, over. I went oh, to like the oh, oh. Cannoli King. I think the bold statement. Is what it was called? I was gonna say it feels like a good title to have. It was a place. It was they, they were open past midnight. Is why we went there. That's um, useful. It was good. It was good. There we go. All right, let's head on over to part two and talk some MLS news, eh? This episode is brought to you by Cincy Shirts. Look, you know Cincy Shirts. You love Cincy Shirts. They've been with FCC from the beginning. And we here at the Postcast, we're just huge fans of their work. They were very early sponsors of the Postcast here, and we have always enjoyed their work. If you head on over to CincyShirts.com, that's Cincy with a Y, Shirts.com, and check out using the promo code ThePostCincy, all one word, all caps, you will get 10% off your order and you let them know that we sent you. Like they have MLS and MLSPA licensed FCC gear available online and at their two retail locations in Hyde Park and Fort Mitchell. If they don't have your size on the shelf, they can print you one on the spot. That is a fantastic feature and something that I have used as well. So again, special thank you to Cincy Shirts. Head on over to their website or check the link down below in the description for the promo code the Cincy for 10% off your next order. And a huge thank you to Cincy Shirts. All right, we are back. We've got a little MLS news roundup. Uh, Chief, I have a menu here in our show notes. Our, taste, uh, oh. our chef's menu, our tasting yeah. menu right here. This is this is a choose your own experience. Uh, where, where would you like to go first? Let's go to New England. Let's start let's, off at the top. Let's start at the top. New England Revolution Stadium news. This is an exciting one for just general fans of the league. Also, if you don't like artificial turf and artificial pitches in your league, this is great news. Uh, it certainly appears. This is not great. This is not great news. This is well, okay. This is it's. This is their yearly <laughs> season ticket sales are down. Let's remind people that if they buy now, they'll have priority to this soccer specific stadium that is never never going to be built ever so that is certainly a fair take <laughs> i will say with the new england revolution there have been a number a number of times that they've had stadium news leak and it's always just hilariously like right when season ticket renewal time is up. So they are a little late, at least in terms of that window. However, uh, we are learning about this due to documents uh, released by that local government. Uh, it appears it is Everett, Massachusetts, which is one of those like cities in and around Boston that collectively are Boston, but like 
if you're not really like staring at a map, you'd be like, I'm in Boston. You'd be like, you're in Cambridge or, you know, you're, I'm in Cincinnati. you're in, uh, you're Somerville. in <laughs> Yeah, right. <laughs> so it's Boston. Um, but uh, yeah, so apparently the uh, the local government there in Everett has agreed in principle to engage in uh, the development of a riverfront stadium on the Mystic River. Uh, it looks like a pretty decent location about a 15 minute walk from the T uh looks like parking might be tricky so all of the Revs fans that are used to driving out to Foxborough might not have a great time but Riverfront Stadium kind of looking at downtown Charleston I I feel like you could do worse than that I don't know are are we are we sad to see the history of this league and Gillette Stadium being <laughs> being potentially cast aside here or are we excited for this glorious new future i'm mainly excited oh. for a large construction project for um <laughs> the uh irish mob to have a nice dumping site for a period of time we've needed oh i know exactly where this is i stayed right around there the last time i was in boston there's a uh there's a uh, Steve Wynn has a hotel that's right there, the Encore Casino. It's enormous. Yes. It looks exactly like the one in Vegas. And then across the river is this new development called the Assembly Row. We, mm -hmm. uh, Mrs. Chief and I went out there last year in December and stayed around there. It's very, very neat, very um, growing like a weed, I would say. It's one of those places where you go to a city and you have this really um overpowering feeling that oh none of this existed 15 minutes ago this has all been like brand new truman show style built all like the second before i stepped onto the spot yeah actually it's a part of that agreement uh it explicitly states uh you are not allowed to park at that hotel if you're attending matches at this soccer stadium so there you go <laughs> if you're attending a game at this future place i do recommend the assembly row hotel um there you go. Wonderful Bonvoy property. <laughs> it looks like there's also a TJ Maxx over there, according to the map I'm looking at. So knock um, yourself I out. Do, I do hear that uh, they have moved from North Face to Canada Goose up in Boston. So, oh. Oh. so if you go... Plan appropriately. If you go, better dress appropriately <laughs> or they will... Ha ha at you. <laughs> you. Definitely, definitely want to look the part, at least while you're there. Um, so yeah, good on good on New England for potentially right, around, doing this. Around the horn, over under 2028. The stadium existing. Uh, so the the site is a former power plant. So if you're looking for a uh, environmental survey to delay things, it feels ripe for a good old fashioned cleanup. Uh, I, went to a I, music festival. I went to a music festival in Chicago once that was on the site of a former industrial, like I think waste dump or something like that. And I sneezed pure black Jeez. for a week after coming back from this place. Like what? my snot was black. What are those called? They're, they're like super max sites? The, or, oh, uh, super fun sites. Super fun sites. Yeah, yeah. Chicago is like a not weirdly super, Not super fun. Not super fun. Super fund. Right. The D at the end is very important <laughs> yes. in terms of 
They're very much not super fun. No, but Chicago is like a weirdly disproportionate number of well, I mean, them. <laughs> I mean, they're super fun if you were one of like the eco terrorists from the Captain Planet cartoon. I'm sure you found the idea of the place very fun. Not a lot of people like, like, like really a class fun. action lawyer. <laughs> not a lot of people appreciate the old Captain Planet villains, the glee they took from polluting. <laughs> like it wasn't it wasn't that that they were getting rich on some sort of a factory or some sort of a capitalist scheme. They just that was just a means so that they could pollute harder. We <laughs> should watch three Captain Planet episodes <laughs> I like that. and do an episode on that in the offseason. I like this. You know, Chief. You make that point, but then rolling coal is a thing, so I don't know that they were that far off. I remember an episode of... Ca I, maybe we should just watch this episode, actually, <laughs> uh, and talk about it on an off-season podcast, because there is an episode that I always think of that is insane. It is an insane episode. Like insane, even given the fact that there is a super powerful being that is summoned by five kids with rings. Yes, it's a fully it's a fully unhinged episode. <laughs> and I haven't watched it since I was a kid. I even like at the time I was like, like it what broke the fuck through your kid brain. <laughs> it broke through your kid prefrontal cortex. Be like, this is kind of fucked up. <laughs> it's like they shouldn't have done this. <laughs> adding it to the list um, who would have thought the kid with the heart ring would just give people hypertension that seems kind of wild <laughs> oh god uh well speaking of hypertension we're gonna go back to our tasting menu here and i am going to take us to chattanooga fc joins MLS Next Pro. I I think this is a notable moment for a couple of reasons. One, this is the first sort of identifiable local lower division brand that has jumped to MLS Next Didn't Pro. Didn't Jacksonville Armada just jump to MLS Next Pro? Jacksonville did as well. Uh, Jacksonville was a part of the <coughs> NASL. Uh, was and sued MLS. Yeah, I was gonna say one of the original hardliners uh, was the originators of the idea of going with a uh, and not a tier three, not a tier two, not a tier one league, a tier zero league. They wanted to be outside of FIFA's uh, rules and regulations. They have uh, sort of existed as a B team or a U twenty three team out in the you know the amateur wilderness for a long time but they're joining but they for all intents and purposes haven't been a a club for five plus years uh but chattanooga fc joining is i'm also not including the weird jamie vardy rochester rhino reboot thing that was barely a team for a season. Uh, but I bring up the Chattanooga thing. One, because it's interesting that they are courting 
actual independent brands, but two, it lets me go back to November of 2015 when Don Garber said this, and man, this is I, this is just a lovely quote. He said, quote, nobody looks at the NFL and says it's not working because there's no promotion and relegation, he said. If you're investing billions and billions of dollars, which we are now at about $3.5 billion invested in MLS in 20 years to build something in Kansas City, and they have a shit season to think they might be playing in Chattanooga in a stadium of 4,000 people on a crappy field with no fans makes no sense. Chief, best quote in American soccer history? It's close to it. Um, <laughs> it's... It's pretty damn good. I I, I love Don Garber. Uh, this was also like a fully unhinged Don Garber. Yes. Usually, usually he is smart enough, along with like the people that run the USL, to occasionally sort of dangle the bone that pro rel may someday come to these leagues. We're just not ready for it, or we're just not at a place to embrace it. Here, it was like mask off. It's like hell no. None of these people <laughs> that paid hundred million dollar expansion fees are ever going to put that in jeopardy so that we can call up Chattanooga FC or the Richmond Kickers or some horse shit like that. Now, I I I love a good commissioner as the villain moment. I think yeah. if you were a commissioner and you were getting cheered, you're doing a bad job. Gary Bettman has never been cheered in a single arena in the NHL. Um, famously, Roger Goodell booed whenever he's on stage to the point that they have to like send him out at the draft with like troops and yes. kids dying of some incurable disease <laughs> just so that the, the, the crowd can't feel comfortable just booing him off the stage. <laughs> um, who was the the dipshit that ran baseball for a bunch of years? Bud Selig. Everybody hated Bud Selig. Yeah. Bud Selig. Commissioners yeah. are just despite or commissioners are despicable figures. And Don Garber needs to, along with what we were talking about earlier about this league needing more drama around it. Don Garber just needs to be a bigger villain. Just well, he, he needs did, to embrace villain status. He did say that he did say those comments about the U.S. Open Cup that like they don't yeah. want people to watch that product. Because right. the fields aren't good enough and the level of play isn't high enough. And it's need like more dude, of that. What's that? I need more of that. <clears throat> yeah. I mean, fair. Um, but like, I don't know. It was also insane because like, I still think the best game of the MLS season was the sem like, not for me. Right. But it, like for neutral viewers, the best game of the MLS season was still the Open Cup semifinal between. Yeah. FC Cincinnati Inter Miami. Um and but um I was looking at I don't the uh, MLS. At all. <laughs> I was looking You're... at the MLS Next Pro uh future uh expansion plans. And yeah. uh Cleveland Pro Soccer oh. is planning to join in 2025 as one of the independent teams. Oh, and, that's right. And the owners said they intend to bid for 2026 National Women's Soccer League expansion. Wow. So here's my question. Is this a, a sock puppet to move the Columbus crew oh. to Cleveland <laughs> and have a United Cleveland Soccer organization. 
And would that be the funniest and best thing to ever happen in the history of American soccer? Man, you know it would be really funny, and you would put the diehards in a really funny spot. And I, I don't, I, I don't want this to come across wrong, but you move the Columbus Crew to Cleveland, but at the same time, you drop an NWSL franchise in Columbus, branded as the Crew. You know, it'd be the funniest thing actually. <laughs> Build a stadium. For the NWSL team in Cleveland and have them be like the Northern Ohio crew. Okay. And they play half their home games in Columbus <laughs> and half their home games in Cleveland. <laughs> there, there is some teeny tiny amount of precedent to that, which is the Columbus crew used to play most of their early round, if not all of their Open Cup games in Akron. Ohio as an attempt to like spread the love around up there. Now I'm sitting here thinking about, so the biggest hangup that the crew faced in their relocation to Austin was MLS's desire to number one, avoid discovery during a lawsuit about the move that would have been filed for a violation of whatever the ORC provision that Modell's law is that prohibits a team from moving if they've accepted public funding for a stadium in Ohio. I'm genuinely curious how that would play out if the team wasn't leaving Ohio. That's the thing. I think it only applies to Ohio. I mean, you'd I have, have to, to look at the, again. the it's wording. It's litigated, so there's no, like, there's no precedent to read about like how this law would be interpreted. Right. But like the person who would be in charge of suing would almost certainly be the attorney general. Right. And so... They'd the have to be, yeah, insulting the, you know, the presumably the fans in Cleveland that want this team, right? It, so actually, actually, the Modell law allows specifically for relocation within the state. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't think like it'd have to be ladies a Columbus law to prevent them. <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, we have identified a loophole. Not a loophole. It sounds like it's just... It's just the there. hole. <laughs> That's the one I didn't hole. Say, I didn't say how big the loop was. <laughs> Man. I like the idea of, of giving an NWSL team. So he's like, well, you can't get mad. We're still keeping a soccer team there. Well, are you saying the women's team is an equivalent? Like, that's not good of you. Um, Grayson, so yeah. order something off the tasting menu. Um, Chicago Fire. I had a feeling you'd go there. Uh, <laughs> Chicago Fire re-signing uh, George Heights, Heights. and uh, whoever Heights. their uh, sporting director in the, is. In the Heights. Probably another Swiss guy, yeah. <laughs> uh, Just It yeah, just proves gonna... that there are, there are no consequences <laughs> at all for failure. <laughs> Although At I least say that, like half, this, yeah. like half this league is looking for a new coach right now. So it's just it's just weird to me that what's what does Chicago think they're doing right? Like, <laughs> what is the like, what's the elevator pitch for keeping these people? So the the quickest, fastest thing is Gaga Selena and uh, uh, John or whatever were sold for a combined like 50 million dollars. And. 
That's enough to cover your operating expenses for a couple of years in Major League Soccer with revenue sharing and all that. That that probably put a decent amount of coin back into the owner's pocket. Job well done, boys. You can identify the good ones and we can sell them off. And you have contacts in Europe because you made me buy that Swiss club that one time. And so we have the ability to uh, to ship these guys out and make a pretty penny. That's it. And if you're like looking at this from a super high level, sure, that's probably good. But if you are trying to sell tickets to this thing or trying to convince people in Chicago that they should be fans of this team, that's the same pitch you give to coming out to a double A ball club and saying, you know, look at these superstars that came through See here. The 10 stars years of before. the future. Yeah. Yeah. So like it's a single entity league. At a certain point, the interests of the league and having a Chicago team that's well run doesn't that like at the board meeting or the owners meeting, do they all sit around the room and look at the guy that owns Chicago in Chicago? Is it um, I don't the guy know. from uh, guy from Morningstar, uh, Joe Mansueto. Satan. Yes. <laughs> Joe Mansueto. <Yeah. laughs> um, so no, Joe, like, Joe Beelzebub. <laughs> don't mind the horns Joe um, Mephistopheles <laughs> it's an embarrassment for the league that one of the biggest markets has just it just keeps stepping on rakes over and over again I don't yeah. know it feels like in a single entity league this is the rare circumstance where you can do something about that they can't like they can't get rid of Jerry Reinsdorf with the Bulls and make right. the Bulls better in the NBA. The NFL for years couldn't do anything about Mike Brown. They can't do anything about the guy that owns the Pirates in the Major League Baseball. In MLS, they can absolutely do something about this. They can say, you know what? For the good of the league, this media market needs to be better in a hurry. You're firing these people, and we're going to tell you who to hire. We're going to find better soccer people for you. Yeah, or Chivas USA them. Like, you kill it. You let them go a couple of years in the wilderness with nothing, and you you get your ducks in a row. You go recruit a couple of billionaires. I know the uh, the owner of the Cubs was trying to drop a uh, USL franchise in there. Uh, the Chicago Bears are looking. If I, I believe they are one hundred percent building a new stadium elsewhere in Chicago. So line up a billionaire investor to come up with a plan for Soldier Field that works for soccer. And give it a couple of years and then relaunch it, sign Robert Lewandowski at the end of his career and and start over. We're going to bring back Schweinsteiger and finally win that World Cup. Right. So <laughs> this is like unambiguously, literally, inarguably the worst stretch of Chicago Fire's entire existence. Damn. And that stretch coincides Entirely with like the tenure of the management that just got extended. That's wild. They have they've spent it was last they year, spent two years insane ago. Amounts of money. Yeah. The only the only, the only Shakiri was like would, the Shakiri is like the biggest, the most expensive player in the league before. Mess, bleh. Oh, yeah. I'm counting! I'm counting! <laughs> you get 80% of the way through a name. <laughs> I did just find an illegal download of Police State, so you're in luck. I'll share that with share, you. Share that, share that with me. I'll watch it before... Uh, 
I watched it before the next episode. Oh, so good. Oh, <laughs> yeah, no. next episode we may have to we may have to have your guys' book reports on this. <laughs> the uh the, the only <laughs> hold on, I'm still I'm still I'm admiring this because this was me and I woke my wife up and she was very upset when the last time this happened. God damn. Grayson, how are you feeling right now? I'm so happy. Not great. Oh, okay. Not good. <laughs> not good. Not great. Not okay. Uh, I need the, to the, go the, to BetterHelp, our new sponsor. <laughs> Do you need to remove a word from your vocabulary? Try hypnosis with BetterHelp. Uh, so can, yeah, you imagine, no, can you yeah. imagine if, if they would have extended Gerard Nijkamp again? <laughs> like, we that's get, what this we is. Get, people give a shit for firing him. Insane. They're like, oh, this is the third... By the way, it's not right. He's not the third chief soccer officer. He's the Albright's not the third chief soccer officer. We don't count birding. No, like he was just the guy when there was nobody. Right. He wasn't doing anything. He's a part owner. (laughs) Like (laughs) You can't. So, yeah. (laughs) So but 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 everybody talks about like it being mismanagement. That like Night Camp was fired after two years and they hired Albright. No, that's good. No, that's what you do when they suck. Yes. Yeah, it's ambition. That's a, that's the hard part about this is that it, what do they what do you want, Chicago? You want ambition. They're not ambitious. It's just we're just gonna keep the same cast of characters and just hope magically that they produce different results. I mean, give FC Cincinnati credit. It's an ambitious ownership group that didn't accept mediocrity. At any stage in this process. So I will defend the turnover at the coach and sporting director levels in FC Cincinnati. Okay. Yeah. So we hi- we brought up Alan Koch. Bad idea. Bad move. Yeah. Like, I will say that. Bad move. They should not have come to MLS with Alan Koch as the head coach. Okay. Yep. But he didn't perform and they fired him. Good. They took some time and they hired Ron Yance, who looked to be doing a pretty good job. Yeah. Solid resume. But like the reason he was fired, nothing to do with Jeff Burning. Yeah. And in fact, he should have been fired. He needed to be fired. And a lot of a lot of we've since learned a lot of teams in this league would not yeah. have had would not have had the courage. No. To fire that coach. And okay. reading between the lines on that press conference, Nikeham didn't want to fire him Nikeham didn't want to. <laughs> right? Our boy, our boy Jeffy B, you know, for all his faults, did the right thing. Yeah. Uh, and then the next coach that was hired was Yapstam, was who was hard. hired by Nikeham over... Dom Kinnear hmm. and potentially over a coach who will not be named, who may have been interested in the job at the time, uh, <laughs> but currently uh, was was uh, uh, re-upped at their current job uh, earlier this year. But um, <laughs> but but they let he, he let Night Camp make right. that Yapstam hire. And okay. from, it gave him like two years. Well, yeah. not two years, but gave him the better part of two seasons. 
And during that time, Yapsan put together, I think, the worst performance of a major league soccer manager of all time. I think statistically yeah. there's like two managers worse. But I think given the resources available to Stom and what that roster did immediately after his departure, I think he was the single worst manager in MLS history. <laughs> so what are they supposed to do come August and October of 2021? To avoid the criticism right. of having too much turnover. They're supposed Ex- to give these guys extensions? Give them extensions. Or are they supposed to fire them and hire Pat Newton and Chris Albright? <laughs> <laughs> and the, the thing is, too, is that, okay, that blueprint is out there and it's worked. Why isn't Chicago being raked over the coals right now right. that there was another team that was floundering, even worse than Chicago, in a smaller media market than Chicago, with fewer resources than Chicago, they made a bold decision to go and get an MLS veteran GM who had been in the league forever, hadn't had a chance to run his own program, but was an MLS guy. He hired an MLS assistant coach, guys that know the league, and there was an immediate turnaround. They're in a very similar situation to us with European-based management, European-based coaching, and the blueprint on what to do when your European-based leadership team sucks. FC Cincinnati is the guiding light for what to do in this situation. You launch these people and go get people that understand how to win in this league. You know who people like that are? They're like Dom Kinnear. They're like Kenny Arena. Go do the exact same thing that we don't, did to n- Philly. But not them specifically. Not them specifically. Please don't. People like no, them. Very, people yeah. like them. Thank you. But but really give Kenny Arena a job. He deserves no, a Oh, come on. I like Kenny. I want to get his own club. You think if he gets another job, he'll come on again before he starts that new job? Absolutely I owe him a, <laughs> like, a couple bottles of bourbon now that he's won Supporter Shield. Um, so um, there is, there's another, there's another, honestly, another example. And I know this has become like a secondary Houston podcast, but, <laughs> but like Houston's like a big market example. You know, yeah. of a team that turned it around really quickly just by hiring Pat Onstead and hiring Ben Olsen to coach. Yep. You know? Yep. So. But Houston's another media market that needs more fan buy-in and like yeah, they, they do. They need, they need more fan buy-in, but they got it right this year. Yes. You know, they Results. won Open Cup. They're still in the playoffs. Yeah. Um, they got Results a pretty good one. Yeah, right? Yeah. Like. They've got the results, and hopefully with the results, um, you know, Hector Herrera won the, the, he didn't win comeback player of the year, but he won like the Gonzalo Higuain comeback player of the year, yeah. which was uh, didn't give a shit, and then decided <laughs> to give a shit and played better. <laughs> Did I, I came back from my own apathy. I came <laughs> back from not being good, very good or wanting to be very good. Right. But he's had a great year, like. For yeah. me, he's the for me he's the number two in the MVP uh, race. Uh, Joe Mansueto, by the way, his according to Forbes, they have their real time net worth as of right now is worth five point nine billion dollars. I believe that is more than the total sum of our uh, ownership group. So you know what the you know what the difference is, and I don't want to. This is potentially unfair. Oh, OK. Because Carl's got like a direct in with the big man. <laughs> I think I think it's not a coincidence that a 
prominent athletic writer got massive access to Joe Mansueto at the beginning of last season and also has not published a critical word of any of the decision making for the last two years. And this, the this other is all one, to say, Carl, we can be bought. <laughs> Carl, we have a, pr- we have a price. Yeah, <laughs> this like, is because yeah. nobody can write about nobody can write about FC Cincinnati's success without being like, well, you know, they had a couple coaches that sucked. Right. <laughs> like, uh, I really like this. Joe Mansueto, uh, again, real time net worth. Uh, it is down zero point one two percent. Is thirteen million dollars. That's one Shakiri. He's down today. So they, they. So Chicago has gotten worse every year under Heights. They were like 11, right. 11, 12, 13. Right. Is there a difference between finishing twelfth or thirteenth in the East and finishing last in the East? Should I you get? S- should you get any credit? For finishing not last, <laughs> I think yes. no. Yeah, you should get some credit just because, like, there's a your get your team's give a shit meter ran hot enough to keep you out of last place. But there's a personal pride to not finishing last. I think. Sure, but again, if but you're we're like, talking like degrees right. of nonsense here, like it's not a big difference. But if, if you finish close to last four years in a row. Yeah. Okay. No, they suck. Like that's versus no finishing there. last three years in a row and then finishing what were we last year? Fourth. Right. In the East. Fifth. Fourth. Fifth. I don't remember. Fifth. Yeah, because we didn't have a home game. Yeah. Yeah, we were fifth in the East. So yeah, I mean here's the other thing too, is like if you're trying to say that like you're gonna tank for a year to get better next year, the lower you finish on the table, the more gam you get and the higher the draft pick you get is. And not that draft picks are huge, but like you'd rather have Roman Celentano than not Roman Celentano. So like yeah, I don't know. Don't say that because I still hold out hope we can get Spencer Ritchie on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying, in terms of like, there's value to be had in the draft at the very highest levels. So yeah, if you could have the top one or two picks and an extra two hundred thousand in GAM, you'd rather have that than say you finish tenth. I think it all is a big deal, or maybe it's not a big deal. Because I'm going to order the next thing off the tasting menu, Kevin, Ooh, and that's please. that we learned this week in a tweet. Um, MLS Commissioner Don Garber, Apple uh, VP Eddie Q, speaking now at a conference. Eddie Q, who, if you're just an Apple head like me, you've been seeing him in press conferences with you know Tim Apple and before that Steve Jobs forever. Uh, Eddie Q, quote: We had more than a million viewers for the biggest games on MLS season pass. Nobody expected that. Um, world soccer talk in shambles right now. <laughs> More than a million viewers. How do we feel about that? I think that that's the haters and the losers will claim it's fake. I mean, Apple is a publicly traded company, and I think there are legal ramifications to them making shit up like this. I could be wrong. Definitely not my area of expertise, but I think they'd have to be careful. No, they're, just, they're subscriber. They're subscriber numbers. They're not tax revenue figures. We have to have some degree of sub- transparency here. And at some point, somebody's got to put a number down on a piece of paper and send it on over to somebody. Um, 
assuming it is true, uh, fucking incredible. And this entire experiment is a success in year one. Um, Hey, uh, also, I don't want to. Oh, I don't want to hear anything about. Oh, they were only certain games featuring, you know, a certain player. It's like right. N- nobody says that about the NBA when, like, <laughs> LeBron right. has the highest rated game of the year, and that the Lakers are always the highest rated team. Nobody said that about the NFL when Tom Brady and Peyton Manning were playing one another. Stars drive engagement. Stars drive numbers. That's you're you're trying to dunk on you're trying to dunk on MLS. Right. When this is the most regular ass sports league thing they've done in a while. Right. And like as opposed to what? Like, go look at the Premier League viewership numbers uh, that NBC puts out and stuff like that. It's like, yeah, wouldn't you know it? The bigger teams draw the bigger, the bigger fans. The team with the most superstars draws the most viewers like this is so stupid. Yeah. Um, Nobody's but, turning into a Minnesota Timberwolves game on TNT, but you put Victor Wimbanyana out there or you put like, you know, Steph Curry. Yeah, you're going to get people tuning into it. Yeah. I Again, if these numbers are true, like MLS was getting a couple hundred thousand of people a match on Fox Sports 1 last year and on ESPN. And it would be an amazing situation where they would crack half a million. There was one or two games where they would approach a million and it required them, you know, double heading the, uh, you know, El Trafico and an NBA game or something like, like they really specific circumstances to pull that off. But if, if MLS is getting a couple of matches hitting a million plus, that's amazing. Like the fact that they're doing it behind this quote unquote paywall, as opposed to cable, not being a paywall. Um, yeah, this kind of proves the experiment and presumably it only goes up from here. They can continue to recruit bigger and bigger superstars. Well, not bigger, but more and more superstars. And this is your this is your game plan going forward. I don't know. I would hope so, at least. I don't know. The real the the rubber meets the road moment for this is going to be when they when and if they stop giving away subscriptions to season ticket holders and people actually have to start paying to watch games. Um, it seems like they comped a lot of subscriptions this year, and I'm kind of curious if they will keep doing that or if their business model includes doing that as part of the cost of doing business. Well, it's funny too, because like ads, right? Yeah. Yeah. There's there's definitely some ad revenue will certainly be tied, tied to like number of, uh, subscribers in some way. Mm -hmm. So like, yeah, you're not getting my like 80 bucks a year. Because I have season tickets, but you get to include me in your total subscriber numbers when you're selling your ads. Right. I don't know what the numbers look Apple, like, but that's but that all, has to be like a calculation. And the other the other calculation for Apple, too, and I think we talked about this when the deal got signed, is that like there is a known percentage in terms of um, how many people they will get to buy an iPhone or a MacBook as part of they have to interact with this Apple product and it leads them to go into an Apple store and buy another Apple product because, oh, it makes it easier to watch your MLS matches. And with the amount of money they make on that, that's a yeah. shitload of subscription value if they can get you to buy one iPhone if you're an Android user. 
Yeah. And in the and in the near term, this is not going to be true for the. I don't think this will be true for the duration of the ten year deal, or beyond that. But in the near term, there is a. There's some loss leader value. In Apple, just proving to other sports suitors. Oh, yeah. That they can put on like a sports product at a high quality level. Oh, yeah. Yeah. We know that Apple was uh, negotiating for, and as far as we can tell, came second uh, with the NFL Sunday ticket. But Apple was demanding a similar situation to MLS, where they wanted zero blackouts, all everything, all the time. Um, They also did the same thing with the Premier League. They were trying to negotiate the global rights, but the Premier League would not sell their domestic rights separate from the international rights. Apple didn't want to play that game. I also think legally the Premier League is in some like weird thing where they have to do something with English there certain restri- There are certain blackout restrictions that are imposed yeah. by law on certain right. times yeah, of day so. where if the, if the match is played, they're just not allowed to televise it. Right. And then um, the one I'd keep an eye on, though, is NBA commissioner uh, basically listed his laundry list of what he wants to see out of the next NBA deal. And it was uh, global rights, all on one platform, no blackouts. And it's like, hey, man, that's the Apple deal. <laughs> so if if the NBA and MLS end up on the same platform, I think it'd be very interesting. They, they complement each other well, given the times of year that they run their competitions in. And you could see package deals being offered and things like that. I, I think they would complement each other well. Yeah. Not to get geopolitical, but there's a really interesting part of this that uh, with Apple's relationship with China currently and China being a big target for growth for a lot of these sports leagues right now currently. So that's going to be interesting to monitor. Mm -hmm. But that would be an an entirely separate podcast that nobody on this, (laughs) that nobody listening to this would want to listen to. So I don't know. I don't know how much longer we have or if we want to do like a segment three. But I do have something I want to talk about. It sounds like a segment three to me. All right. Uh, just looking at our tasting menu here, just real quick. Uh, the uh, Debella shirt sponsor for Portland. That is not the not sandwich, the sandwich shop. shop. Yeah. <laughs> it's a hell of a sandwich shop, though. Like it really is an underrated spot to grab a sandwich. <laughs> it is a. Uh, it is like a uh, home improvement, like a contractor type situation, like general contractor thing. Uh, the only thing I, I bring it up for is it is probably the smallest company by quite a margin to sign a sponsorship deal. Uh, the new shirt sponsor for Portland Timbers. Um, just kind of a head-scratching move over there. With that, they uh, they just signed... Um, oh, what's his name? Uh, Neville. Yeah. Uh, Gary Neville? Uh, Phil Neville. T- Phil Neville. I knew I was going to mess it up. Yeah, you uh, messed it up. Phil Neville as the new manager, uh, just like head scratching decisions coming out of Portland, which was one of the standard bearers in this league. And now I am very thankful our club doesn't look like their club. So uh, there you go. Uh, you always our... have to assume. In, you have to assume in these situations that like a bag of cash changed hands, or that somebody right. may like the construction company made a body disappear for someone that was in ownership for Portland. <laughs> I mean, 
there are yeah. people Portland front office would like disappeared. So there you go. All right, let's head on over to part three and see what Grayson has in store for us. Uh, here we are. We are in part three. Uh, we're in no man's land. This is great um, because Chief and I have genuinely no idea what what topic is going to come up. So we we oh are right there with you, dear listener, in that. Here we go, Grayson. What do you got for us? So this is not a funny topic. This is just something that we have not talked about. And I think it's worth talking about. Bring it on. And it's that the U.S. Women's National Team has hired a manager. They have. Uh, Emma Hayes. The uh, manager of Chelsea women. Yeah. Uh, one of the most decorated uh, uh, managers in women's in all of women's soccer. Um, Fair to say the best manager going. I know that's very subjective, but I think that's but I think she is generally uh, considered the best manager going okay. in women's soccer. It was a big surprise that she uh, got the job. She was well, she not for one Chelsea. Of, the, of course, she's the best. <laughs> she was not one of the three finalists that were like covered by the athletic article like the week before she was hired. Weird. Um, but it came out this week that she is making um uh that so there's a cut there's a, actually there's like a, a bunch of interesting aspects to her to her hire. Mm-hmm. Uh, but one of the things that came out this week was that she's uh getting she essentially is being paid on par with uh, Greg Berhalter. Right. Um, which makes her the highest paid women's coach in all of soccer. Which I think is yeah. exactly how it should be. Congrats. For the U.S. women's national team. Yeah. Um, if we're not. In fact, Greg Berhalter is being overpaid, I think, at this point. Right. And, <laughs> and I don't think Vlatko should have been the highest paid coach in women's soccer. But I do think that we should get a coach who is worthy Right. Uh, of being the highest paid coach in women's soccer. Um, but she's also not starting until after the current uh, women's Super League season is over, which could be all the way to the end, all the way, I think, to like May 25th. Yeah, it's usually if the Chelsea end of May. Chelsea make the Champions League final. Whew. So there's a few things I want to, there's a few, there's a few things I think that are worth uh, uh, talking about. One is, um, there has been some talk that having parity between, par- I- I'll tell you what I what I say what I think about this first one before I ask you guys what you think. But yeah, um, there's been some talk that that having parity between parity and pay between the men's and women's coaches uh, played a factor in the kind of coach the men's team could hire. <laughs> and then also, you know, what do we think about? her not starting until like two months before the Olympics. Uh, So on the first point, I think the first point is bullshit. Um, There is equal pay, like order or agreement, but it doesn't apply to coaches. (laughs) So if the men's team wanted to hire a better coach than Greg and they were willing to pay more, they could have done that. Right. It's not the women's team's fault that Greg is the coach of the men's team. And I just want to be very, very clear because I've seen people say otherwise. Right. If you're mad that Greg is the coach... If you're mad that Greg is the coach of the men's team, 
do not blame equal pay. Right. No, it's you need to have an external tormentor. You need to identify the source of your torment. And Greg Berhalter returning for many of us is was an ultimate. What are we doing here? Moment. And I, human beings struggle to create narrative and to, you know, man looked in the sky and saw stars that were in a certain order and decided that one looked like a cup and that one looks like a hunter. And in this case, I looked <laughs> in the sky and this appears to be the reason why this asshole got rehired, despite <laughs> having absolutely no accomplishments worthy of being given another World Cup cycle and being actively bad at man management for some of his top players. Of course, I'm going to have somebody to blame, and that's going to be the women's team because I'm an incel online commenting on Twitter, which is where all these takes are coming from. <laughs> also, what really shows that's bullshit is if they want, if there really was a requirement for equal pay between the two coaches, then pay more to the men's coach and offer her more money to coach the women. I don't right. think she would have turned down an extra million if right. if she was offered it. That's the thing that kills me is like the revenue that these programs bring in is so great that the $1.6 million salary is not that big of a deal, I wouldn't think, in the overall grand scheme of what they're doing. And if that number rises to two million or two and a half million or three million, like you're fine. Like the women's program historically has brought in more revenue than the men's because they play a ton more friendlies in larger stadiums and they tend to be more successful in tournaments that are increasingly increasing their their prize pool. But I think this part is interesting, too, which is like, oh, we're stuck with a poverty coach. Greg Berhalter was like the 11th or 12th highest paid manager. I think 13th. But 13th, okay. Yeah. The 13th highest paid manager at the World Cup. Like, that feels right for the U.S. Like, were we really going to go out and get the guys in the top 10? Unlikely they would ever accept the U.S. job. So Economics for national team jobs is very different from club team jobs. Because I think the highest paid national team coach is Hansi Flick at Germany. Yeah. And he's at like six and change million dollars. And I'd say like, not worth it. Right. Sure. <laughs> but like... Pepin, Pepin Mourinho are like, yeah. what, 20, 30 right, right. plus million dollars a year. It's a like it's, it's a different, different, it's a different stratosphere. <laughs> uh, yeah. But like, yeah, I, you know, is it a, is it unfortunate that you got to be the best coach in the women's game to get paid the same as somebody who treaded water with Columbus crew? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's a shame. Um, yeah. but I'm also not bothered by your point that she's waiting till the end of the mm. Super League season to coach. I'm sorry. She's the best available option out there. To a certain extent, she gets to dictate terms. And if you wanted her to start sooner, there are ways to do that financially, and that involves adding more money to the paycheck. I'm sure there was a number that would have caused her to walk away from Chelsea immediately. Well, you would have had to pay Chelsea a fee. Right. right. So Whatever Chelsea that number would, is. Yeah. Yeah. There's a number that makes that happen. If you don't want to pay that number, there's a cost of doing business with someone and getting the best available option out there as your hire. Here's the deal. We offer Chelsea Women's Greg Berhalter. So I agree. I agree 100%. I think that, you know, you find a coach that's worth the money because my I had two criteria that I was like in my head 
for what I was hoping for, for the women's team coach. Mm -hmm. And one was somebody from outside the current program, like somebody who's going to come in. They have no like particular allegiances to existing players. They're coming at it and they just are like, I just want to, I'm just going to put the best team together with the best tactics and win. Right. Uh, and yeah. number two was they wanted them to spare no expense and um, get the best, you know, like pay whatever it took to get the best coach they could. Right. And uh, for me, they hit both of those um, with this hire. Um, I did hear that they made a play for Samantha Wegman, 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 the uh, I think England national oh. team coach. Um, but she's like still under contract for a while. Mm. Um, <clears throat> and, uh, um, you know, they were not given, uh, they weren't given, um, Serena Wigman. Um, they were not given permission to talk to her. Ah, so, but I, but I did appreciate that, that was reported that they you know tried yeah, to get try and um and How? so yeah like yeah and and you know they i assume that there's going to be staff members who are tasked with like implementing her ideas right in the meantime and uh and the the message i take from uh, letting her start in, in, you know, in late May is one. We found the person that we, as, as Chief said, we found the person we want to coach the team, right? This is the best person we can get for the job. And we're not going to settle for somebody other than this just because we can get them in sooner. Mm -hmm. And then two, it tells me that um, this is a long-term project and we're not hiring this person just to like try to, you know, right. do good at the Olympics this summer. Um, I assume that they are thinking that this is the coach we're going to take through the next World Cup. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I, I, I think and that's I think the that, right way to think about it. And I think that it's important that they brought her in from outside U.S. soccer, because if there's one criticism of the women's team that I think is valid over the last World Cup cycle is that there was a reluctance and an unwillingness to make hard decisions with players whose personality and reputation at this point vastly exceeded their skill set and bringing in someone from the outside who can take a critical look and take a hard look at who are the players to build around for the next cycle and who will have no problem telling people no, who might have already been in camp before. Fresh eyes on the women's team at this point is a good thing. Fresh eyes on the women's program from someone who is world renowned for their coaching ability in the women's game is only going to be a positive. It's worth waiting for. Yeah. Uh, my only question is how close was Phil Neville to getting this job? Because that would have felt like a U.S. <laughs> soccer move. <laughs> yeah, so so to, to, to Chief's point, um, I remember when Jill Ellis stepped down and Vlaco was hired. Um there were a lot of players who like were outwardly like very happy right. to have Vlaco take over who they had not liked Ellis 
and they said a lot of bad things about Ellis. I um, hate people who win too. Yeah, right. Yeah, like, and you know, looking back, maybe you don't want somebody who's picked by the players because <laughs> Ellis won two World Cups. Right. Like, you could argue about how much of that had to do with the talent she had and how much of that had to do with her as a coach, but she won two World Cups, and Vlaco had the worst World Cup in U.S. Women's National Team history. Right. Greg Berhalter, beloved by the players. I love yeah. the criticism of coaches for having good players. Like, Bill Belichick gets that all the time. It's like, oh, well, Joe Ellis only won because she had the best players. It's like, no, no, no. Like, you can... Fuck it up with a bad manager. Yeah, you can. Yeah. <laughs> like, don't you want the good, like, the good managers to get out of the way of the talent? Like, yeah, I don't know. It's it's the yeah, dumbest so criticism I'm, ever. I'm excited to have somebody come in uh, from the outside who is just going to put their own stamp on the program and doesn't have any baggage. Or, you know, I know she's got a couple of... Uh, uh, Katarina Macario and um, Mia Official are uh, current Chelsea players. So, you know, I expect they'll be included. But you know what? I don't expect they would be included anyway. Right. Because they're like good as they're good as hell. So right. like, the other I thing know. I really like about this hire, too, is that she's coming from club culture. Right. And I do think that with the women's coaching role specifically, part of what there has to be an understanding of is that the rest of the world is catching up to the women's game in America. And there needs to be a renewed focus from the top down on improving the club play and improving the club profile of teams here in the United States and more synergy between the women's national team and the NWSL. I know people got on Don Garber about that. Um, with how he was feuding with Jurgen Klinsmann back in the day, with Klinsmann being openly hostile towards players that wanted to play in MLS. Um, the criticisms of the domestic league with Klinsmann and MLS, they don't exist with the NWSL in women's soccer. The NWSL is still one of the best places to play in terms of competition level for women. And the profile of that league needs to continue to grow if the women's game is going to be still uh, in ascendancy here in the United States. They can't allow the NWSL to continue to slip. And it's been slipping for a while in terms of competition uh, level. Uh, whereas it used to be the gold standard, there's a lot of good places to play now. And the NWSL needs to level up. And having a person, a manager with a club experience, I think can only help that. Yeah, I think the huge positive on that front is the NWSL just signed a new media rights deal with like four different <laughs> streaming partners, but primarily CBS where they're going to be putting the NWSL final on CBS proper. Paramount plus is going to carry a number of games, CBS sports network. Uh, but the big takeaway there is that the uh, money per team is going up like almost tenfold. So these teams should have more cash on hand. The salary cap should be increasing. I mean, it was just a couple of years ago, maybe even now, like the minimum salary is something like $15,000 for players or something like that. It's like some absurdly low number where you've got players Ubering on the side and stuff. It's it's USL League One 
uh, payment structures there, but the superstars of the women's soccer world are playing in your league. It, it's just a weird league, whereas hopefully going forward, that is the case and it should be in a much, much healthier spot. And it should be showcased because there was like a there was an interview I think came out today of a Spanish player who had played for Barcelona in Spain and has been playing in NWSL. And she said like the big difference of NWSL and playing for Barcelona is that like every game in NWSL is like a Champions League game. Hmm. And that there aren't like the easy games right. in the league that you do. And it should be showcased like it is like the premier women's league in the world. Um, and you only get one shot at keeping that. Like, yeah, yeah. once you get knocked off by That's some not a other forever league, thing. No, no. Once you get knocked off by any of the leagues over in Europe, the same shit will happen. That's happened to soccer elsewhere. But right now, the league is the league is viewed the same way as the Premier League is viewed on the men's side, which is players want to come from Europe to America to play in the NWSL and U.S. soccer uh, specifically should be fighting tooth and nail to keep that distinction, because once it goes away, it's going away forever. Yeah. Yeah. You've already got a number of fans in the U.S. that have their allegiances and loyalties to various European clubs. It would be very easy to flip that switch. Uh, the last thing I'll say about Emma Hayes is I hope she gets the opportunity to like really get in front of American soccer media. Because she sounds like quite. Just quite an interesting, fun person <laughs> uh, from some of the interviews I've read. Like there's an interview out there where she talks about like going to a fortune teller in like 2007 and the fortune telling her teller telling her that she's going to like have do great things at Chelsea. And like, it's just like, oh, there's like man. a lot of stuff like out there. And I just like really want her to get like front and center because she seems just like a, like a cool, interesting uh, uh, person. Uh, by the way, this is totally off topic. I just saw this on Twitter. Mm -hmm. Pat Brennan said the FC does not practice tomorrow. So our earlier conversation about the Thanksgiving break, it sounds like the Thanksgiving break is happening this weekend. This is it. Get your turkey. Get your turkey on, gentlemen. Or he's this saying that they're not training because they're not training so that everyone can be at the team facility to give Lucho a surprise when he's announced his MVP. Like and one of those ones where everybody parks someplace else. They ride them all into the facility so lucho is called to a meeting in the empty parking lot he's confused why he's there he's walking around on his little legs you know not sure what's about to happen and then as soon as he opens the door to the training complex the entire facility emerges with a surprise and his mvp award is being presented to him wholesome video content that our new york uh, social media admin <laughs> can hopefully fly into film uh i mean there's a party bus company that has their offices like right now Next to Mercy Health Training. So I feel like having all the players park somewhere else and take the party bus over would be great fun. That's content in and of itself. Yeah. Bupenza's driving the bus. It'll be fun. <laughs> no, the bus wouldn't leave because Bupenza would be late arriving. <laughs> <laughs> not, not if it's a party bus. <laughs> he's, he's already on that party bus, baby, let me tell you. Uh, well, there you go. Well, for nothing to talk about, gentlemen. I think that's a postcast. <laughs> it's not a postcast. 
It's not a postcast. We finish it. Fuck Columbus. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Cincy Postcast, which is a production of The Post Cincy. You can check us out at thepostcincy.com for all of our written content, as well as links to our social media. You can follow us on Twitter, and as well, you can join us on our Discord server. You can find links to that server both in this episode description as well as on our website. That is where most of our conversations are going on. We have a lovely community there talking about FC Cincinnati, MLS, anything and everything else and everything in between. We also want to give a huge thanks to Jim Trace and the Makers for providing all of the music you've heard throughout this episode. They're an amazing local Cincinnati band. Again, more information about them is in the description of this episode. And if you enjoyed what you listened to, you've made it to the end, so I'm going to assume you liked it or you just can't reach your stop button, please like us, review us, subscribe to us, wherever you are getting your podcast. That is going to be really, really helpful. But more importantly, share this with a friend. A personal recommendation helps sped a podcast so much further. So please share this if you know somebody in your life who's an FC Cincinnati fan, an MLS fan, somebody that you think would enjoy this, pass it on over. Thank you so, so much again for listening. It blows me away that people continue to listen to us. And thank you so, so much again.